everybody. Welcome to the Get the Bag podcast. I'm your host, Gladia Castro. Got my co-host, Tim Park. What's going on, hey. everybody? What's up, fam? We're at episode 16. Have a really exciting uh, topic, discussion, guest uh, that we'll be chatting with today. Um, but before we go all into that, don't forget to like, subscribe uh, to our YouTube. Uh, we're on here every week, every Wednesdays at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. We'll either have a guest or have some sort of trending topic uh, that we'll talk about. Um, but today's guest, uh, really, really inspiring. Uh, and, and it's funny because he actually reached out to us. Um, and once we, you know, kind of learned about what he's doing, we, we you know, it was no question that we had to bring him on. Um, so this person got into real estate in 2020. Uh, at 26, he's left his W-2 two years later, has really scaled his real estate business uh, and coaching others to do the same with little money into it, which is awesome, right? Sounds too good I to be true. It. So I'll definitely be, we'll, we'll be asking him that. Uh, but his goal is really to uh, help others understand their full potential. Um, and, you know, because for, for him, it was real estate investing. Um, and we're going to talk about how he was able to go from zero to 70 units in two years without using any syndication, which we'll also talk about, uh, or joint ventures. Uh, let's welcome Kyle Root to get the bag podcast. What's going on, Kyle? Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, hey, no Kyle. problem. Yeah, I had the, had the little catchy headline zero to seventy. I was like, all right, let, I let's love it. do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but welcome, uh, thank you again for for again, uh, you know, reaching out and um, taking some time out of your day to you know join us. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself because not many people, um, you know, especially may not know who who's Kyle Root. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 28 years old, I live, live in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, born and raised in Michigan and um, played college football, ended up getting a scholarship to go play college football, went kind of the college route, um, which worked out okay for me in the long run. I got a construction management degree, um, graduated after four and a half years, you know, played, uh, it was a division two school. So not, you know, you know, not overly competitive football, but Hey, at the very least, you learn a lot, right? A lot of like yeah. re really amazing lessons come from uh, sports. And graduated from college, I was twenty, like twenty-four years old, and probably similar to you guys and a lot of other real estate investors. And and what people get started in real estate is, you start get, you go work for someone, right? And you see some of the top people. You see your CEOs, your presidents, your your head of operations. And you're like these guys. These guys are, are making way more money. They're, they're 50, 60 years old. And I mean, for me, I, I looked at them like, okay, well, let's do some math here. I got to do basically another 20, 25 years to be even getting close to where I wanted to be, which is like 200, 300,000. And, um, you know, I did a lot of reading of books and I read every single time I was reading, I always kept coming back to real estate or even business owners. It was them owning real estate. And, um, we'll kind of get into some more of the details, uh, as we get going here, but, um, yeah, 26 years old, I started buying real estate and, uh, just was able to scale it pretty quickly. And, and now just, you know, living in green Bay, Wisconsin, sitting around 70 units. And, uh, that's kind of just an overview on me. I love it. Are you a Detroit Lions fan or green? Bay? I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Finally coming around though. So yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> I love it. Um, so tell us about like what that transition was like at 26. Um, like, like what kind of, you know, you've been reading the books and you sort of that kind of got you interested in real estate. Like, tell us about that transition to like, from the time you started to like how you, to when you quit, like, what did that, yeah. what was that process like? Yeah. So, I, it, it was honestly pretty crazy. And, and I think that I talked to a lot of my, my coaching clients and just people through conversation of you can talk yourself in and out of a deal. And that's what a, a really well said term is obviously analysis paralysis. Like you mm -hmm. can run your numbers a hundred different ways. Right. And you can, you can talk yourself in a deal out of a deal easily. And just to get started, it was really hard. So I was, I was looking at real estate 24, 25, but 26 is actually when I pulled the trigger. So for two years, I was reading books, doing a bunch of research and took, I mean, I was just, I got to the point where I felt kind of stuck, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I was like, Kyle, there's only so much information you can keep pulling here, man. Like we've got to get into the game. And I, I house hacked my first duplex, kind of got things rolling. 
Um, I actually bought my first duplex. It was right at the end of 2019. And then 2020 is when I really started to be able to scale. Um, and that came from, I learned about this, this private, private money, money, hard money route. And mm -hmm. in the Midwest, you can buy properties for extremely, extremely cheap. Your rent to purchase ratio is extremely, uh, it's great. I mean, probably some of the better, better places, um, to invest within the United States. You don't get the appreciation like you guys would, you know, out in Los Angeles, but, um, yeah, I was able to just use private private equity, private funds to be able to purchase it. It was other people started off with friends and family to be able to purchase the property and renovate it. And then I just went to commercial lenders, said, "Hey, I need to refinance my property." I was able to refinance it, rent it out, see the cash flow, and I'm like, "Why why could I not double this, triple it, quadruple mm -hmm. it?" And then we just started implementing systems and then scaling from there. That's awesome. Um yeah, I I love how you just kind of, uh, you know, analysis paralysis is a, a real thing. And uh, you made the decision to actually, you know, dive in. And you took a route that some people don't take. You kind of, you know, you went and house hacked and, um, and you, obviously you did your research and whatnot. Can you dive a little bit deeper on the actual um, making that decision to like, from analysis paralysis to actually pulling the trigger to house hack. So I think it just became kind of an overwhelming feeling that if I don't pull the trigger, I'm going to be working this W2 job forever. It was almost mm -hmm. like make it happen or we're going to be here longer. And that's, that's what a lot of things that, you know, real estate invest investing is like 10% information, 90% like emotions and deal mm -hmm. and <laughs> having the ability to like overcome obstacles Right. like all the information is already out there, right? Like people that are watching, you know, us talk about real estate, it's all out there, but a lot of people don't talk about that emotional overcoming obstacle part of real estate investing. Um, for me in short, I guess it was just that I need to execute or I'm going to be here forever. Right. It's yeah. like that, um, you know, the, the emotional aspect, like they don't really talk about that on Instagram. It's like, mm -hmm. oh wait, yeah. I, thought, I thought you just flaunt your your benzes or whatever, like, and just collect <laughs> cash flow. Like that's that's what real estate investing is, and it's like we don't talk about the ugly uh, aspect of it either. I'm really actually interested in like your your you talk about systems. So sounds like as soon as you bought that duplex, you started you kind of saw the vision, right? Of like, oh, this could you know, I kind of figured something out here. Like, talk to us about like. Um, as you got to those 70 units, like what sort of systems and processes did you put in place to um, get to where you're at now and like how, like in making those tweaks along the way? When I got to about 20, between unit 20 and 30 is when I, and it took me a year, probably a year and three months to get to 25 units. And when I, when I was right around there, somewhere between 20 and 30 units, I realized that it, I mean, I was working way, way longer than I am today. And I'm like, I, I can't do this forever. Um, so I was able to start thinking about certain things. And I said, okay, so we've been buying roughly one to two deals or one to two units a month. How do I implement people and systems to, to be able to expedite the process for me to, to scale this business? And one of the things we did is we brought on an acquisition specialist. We brought on somebody that I was going to make sure they're incentive based. I know when you're only at 20 units, 30 units, like you, you don't really want to give up your cash flow because you're really not making, I mean, you're not, you're not making a hundred thousand a month, you know? So right. you have to be pretty conservative with your money. And I knew that I could bring in an acquisition specialist. I could, I could pay them. I paid them $2,000 per uh, deal that they gave me and I could underwrite I could underwrite that $2,000 into the deal. So let's say mm -hmm. I buy a property at $100,000 using private funds and I had $2,000 commission. I would just offer 98,000 knowing that the 2000 mm -hmm. commission was going to be accounted for. So he was in my head, I'm like, okay, well, he doesn't cost me anything. We're just going to have to potentially offer on more properties before we get them. So that, that was one way that we ended up doing it. Cause I was looking at all the properties. So brought in an acquisition, specialist made him an incentive based used him for the underwriting the next piece was the renovation side for me everything has to be have the ability to put sweat equity into them because a turnkey here is just tough mm -hmm. uh, i mean turnkey in most places are tough yeah. unless you're going to do like airbnb midterm stuff like that um, and i do long-term rentals so the construction side uh i brought in a construction manager 
And I knew that I could pay him based if if a renovation was $20,000, I would pay him 10%, 5% up front, 5% on the back end. So he, basically he would manage the construction. I had all the contacts already. I had everything set up. He would get that um, $1,000 before, $1,000 upon completion. But again, I could take that $2,000 commission that I was paying him and use that in underwriting. So mm -hmm. rather than saying a $20,000 renovation, $22,000 renovation. And I would just make sure that I could cover that with the purchase. So basically, I was able to take two people, construction and acquisitions. It lowered my purchase price. So we had to offer at more volume. But for me, I was like, well, they're not taking any of my cash flow. And that's exactly what I wanted. So when I brought those two pieces in, it was just, we scaled quick. That's dope. That's awesome. Um, I know that we kind of talked about like house hacking and stuff like that for people that don't know about house hacking. It's where you purchase a, you know, two to four unit um, property, right? And then you live in one unit and then you rent out the other units on that so that's initially how you got started and then um you kind of grew from there using hard money is that correct that's correct yep yeah so and then you kind of grew your portfolio to like like the example you just gave is like 25 units and uh, up to 25 units or doors or so and um it's just interesting that you can you know bake in some of the costs that are you know you're getting from let let's say the hard money lenders or or financing not out of your own pocket and i think a lot of people don't realize that you know you can um add these expenses onto basically the cost of the purchase of the property um and construction of the property for renovations right so um on these properties that you have and you're renovating and start renting out tell us more about like the management process did you hire a management company did you do it yourself or how did how did that um come about that is one thing we did not keep in house and i think especially when you first get started and this this is just me there's so many different ways to look at it but for me i knew that i couldn't i couldn't do everything and nor did i want to take everything in house because like we talked about before implementing systems and methods you can only implement what you know, you know, like if right. you, if, if you don't, I don't know how to run a management company, but now that mm -hmm. I've managed managers, I can look at them and be like, wow, I, I know the accounting software they use. I know how they take a work order and transfer it to, you know, me, how does it get back to me? I know the minimum work orders, things like that. For me, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to run this. I, I have a construction background, so I knew how to renovate budgets, contracts. I knew how to do all that. But for me, I was like, and this is such a, great point. Um, like, I, I'm so glad that you asked that question is because people need to understand that everyone has a strong suit. And mm -hmm. whatever isn't your strong suit, in my opinion, I think you should hire out at least initially, until you can kind of piggyback off someone else's strong suit. So we, we manage or we hired out all of our management. That's, That's great. great. That's great. Because uh, and I'm glad you also point that out. Because a lot of times, uh, people mention like, you should do it first mm -hmm. um, to like get a feel for it. I mean, it's one thing if you're house hacking and, or, you know, have a, just a couple doors um, maybe a little bit easier, but that's what I feel like where people get stuck, right. Where they don't have that entrepreneurial kind of uh, mindset where they're like, Oh, I can really turn this into a business. People like see uh, owning properties, maybe more of like something on the side, but you took it to the next level and many people do, but there's many people who just stop at, a couple doors and then mm -hmm. they manage it themselves. And that's where they eventually turn into tired landlords who we call and they want to sell their house because they're burnt out and they're done with it. Um, one of the questions I had too, is, you know, we, we have a wholesaling background. Like, have you worked with wholesalers as well? Have you purchased properties from wholesalers? Like talk to us about that too. Yeah, I have. I've purchased say out of the 70, maybe five to seven of the units I've purchased from wholesalers. Um, and yeah, I, I, there's there's great deals, right? Like if you don't if you don't have the ability to go direct to seller, then I think a lot of people need to understand that if everybody can win, if the property manager, if the wholesaler, if you, if the title company, if everybody can win, you can keep doing deals. It's when people start getting selfish, you know, like when mm -hmm. people start 
start not leaving enough on the table or when people try like lowballing too much or try like, uh, like contractors, contractors hate working with investors because we're always trying to low, you know, and like not, it's, I think for me, it's just like, let everybody win. So when I see, I purchased a property from a wholesaler and I saw he made 30 grand on me and most people, they'd be like, geez, you know, I can't believe he did this. But for me, it was still a good deal. I made 15,000. It was a quick flip. I went in there, cleaned it up, sold it, made 15,000, took that 15,000 and uh, put it into a different property. And, and for me, it's like, let's not, just because I couldn't go get the deal, I'm not going to get mad at somebody else. So mm-hmm. I actually love wholesalers. I really do. Um, I think that, I think that uh, having the ability to check their numbers is very, and, um, but yeah, I've, I've purchased from wholesalers. I love it. I mean, if they can find a good deal, I don't care where it comes from. If it's a good deal, it's a good deal. Yeah, that's yep. true because because yeah. uh, one of the things too, um, sorry, Tim, that I wanted no, to add okay. is like, um, you know, that with, with wholesalers, sometimes they don't know. I'm sure that you, many have brought you deals and you're like, yo, like, what were you thinking? So one thing you did point out was like, if they can kind of have their numbers right and have be considerate of the like the deal they're showing the investor. Um, I think that's really important, especially starting out so many like we don't know what a deal is we just know hey it's a lead oh we got it under contract i don't know if it's a good the numbers make sense and they you know they shoot you all these deals and a lot of times um you know that's that takes a lot of of time out of your hands to be like yeah why did they even like waste my time sending me this deal this isn't even it (laughs) um but you know and i think the other point you brought up too is uh this the greediness i've talked to other investors or other buyers where they're like this person made $50,000 on me. I'm not going to buy this property or I'm not going to do this. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's real estate. And I'm sure, you know, Kyle is the long game. Like it's all built on relationships. So it's like, if you're, and for us as wholesalers, if you're going to make a big deal about our fee, which we worked really hard for, like just getting the deal itself, it, it costs resources, costs time. Um, you know, we worked our ass too, to get, to get this mm-hmm. deal. And so for people to turn around and, and be like, no, you know, the, you know, can, can we lower the price or whatever? Uh, we're not going to want to work with you again. Um, so I think that's also a big thing that you learn once you get into real estate is like establishing these relationships, open communication. Um, but, you know, we run across those investors and buyers too who are just like, you know, okay, we got to double close it then because, you know, yeah. they're going to, you know, make a big deal out of it. Yeah, I think that when, and I, I'll, again, I tell people that I talk to and my clients, this is when you can understand someone else's business, it makes you extremely, extremely valuable. Right. For me, a, a wholesaler, I know that you might've just lost out on 10 properties before this one. And your, your marketing, your cold calling, the person you're paying all, I mean, you guys, you guys have overhead too. I mean, depending mm-hmm. on how big you are. Right. But um, you guys have overhead too. And when people look at a certain deal, I, you could have missed out on the last 15 and you're like, you know, there might be a 15, $20,000 commission on there. But for you guys, you're like, well, they don't know that I just paid out $10,000 in other income. Right. So mm-hmm. that's why I think when people can understand how title companies work, how hard money lenders work, how wholesalers work, everybody, real, real estate agents, none of us are here necessarily. And this might come off kind of bad, but none of us are here necessarily to just talk about real estate and, and just get deals like we all are here to make money. That's what mm-hmm. we're all trying to do. Right. And like mm-hmm. when, when we can understand how everyone else makes money and be okay with other people making money, I think you become a way more valuable asset to everybody. Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, just like um, in your relationships and your your networking with different people, whether they be investors, wholesalers, uh, you know, hard money lenders, you know, family offices, whatever the case may be. Um, I think, you know, having that alignment in the way you do business and understanding the way they do business, I think is, is huge in, um, you know, having the overall goal of being, you know, successful and making money in this business as well and not being greedy and making sure everybody kind of eats as well, too. So um, what uh, one question for you is what setbacks did you have? Like what? hurdles did you have to overcome really to um you know get from where you started to where you're at now 
No, you mean you didn't run into any problems getting to 70 <laughs> units? I was just going to say, how much time do we have? <laughs> All the time. Um, yeah. So to be honest, I would say the biggest hurdle is what I'm going through um, right now. And it's, it's just, mm -hmm. I scaled so fast. And so right now, just kind of my business plan is, we're, we were buying everything we were buying. If, if I was, if I was able to cash flow 200 bucks a month, a unit, I was buying it. We we're buying wow. everything, everything, everything. And uh, right now we're kind of selling off. Um, we're selling off some of our properties that aren't performing and trading them for better performing assets. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the things people don't talk about is you can scale, but if you're, if your people and systems and training people, if it doesn't scale with you, you're going to, at some point you're going to reach your max. And Right now, that's kind of where we're at. We we are going to start hiring some more people so that we can make this next big push to like go. Obviously, we want to double our numbers. Like I don't I don't have a specific Kyle. What's your, you know, you're going to hit 150 this year, but we're going to get over that 100 unit mark. But before we do that, we're going to kind of come back to the core. We're going to rebuild our company. We're going to rebuild our and not like we're falling apart. I don't mean that. It's just sure. you can only, you yeah. can only scale so fast, and if your systems and processes don't scale with it. Um, you're going to have to, you're going to have to kind of stop and consolidate it in, in, mm -hmm. in real terms. Like, what does that actually mean, Kyle? So things like, um, our, our construction, our construction, we, we were paying market for all of our materials. So right now what mm -hmm. we're doing is we're going to try negotiating materials down. We're going to try to do mm -hmm. things a little bit cheaper because our overhead is increasing. And again, yeah. if you don't know this stuff, if, like for me, I'm 28 years old. I, I never took business courses. Like I didn't, it's kind of trial and error for me, but mm -hmm. luckily, luckily I'm learning it now. Um, I, I guess in short, the kind of, kind of to answer your question, I know I kind of beat around it there, but um, to answer your question is continuous hurdles coming up that I did honestly didn't recognize that I didn't say, okay, we overpaid for materials. This is going to cost us on the back end. Mm. And now it's, it's kind of caught up. So mm. we're re-implementing systems and methods um, to just lower some costs, to be able to create some overhead, to take some things off my plate. Cause I really maxed out the amount of time that, that I could work. And people were in this kind of phase where it's like, you should be grinding all day and working hard right. and working till midnight. And it's just mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to do that forever. Mm -hmm. right. Right. And I, I kind of right. did that. So Yeah. No, that's that. good. Yeah, that's good. Because I, I think people don't realize like when they're in the business, they're running their business, but um, they also need to be kind of auditing like the nickel and dime stuff that, you know, does add up. And margins. it does. Yeah, exactly. Those margins um, can, you know, help you or hurt you if you don't monitor, monitor them in your business as well, too. So I think yeah. that's a that's a great point that you, you know, you you made. So. Yeah. And like the profits, like profit is everything, like mm -hmm. no matter what business you're in, like even in wholesaling, right. It's just like, how can we keep the cost low so that we can continue like, you know, closing deals, uh, you know, and, and you know, whether it be a lean team or whatnot, but I, I like kind of what you said in like the systems is like, Hey, if we don't have the systems, we can't, we can't scale. And I, I think that's to Tim's point, why you have to continue auditing. Um, but I think this also goes to like wholesalers too. Like, I think I was just talking about this with somebody um in that if you don't have the systems you you can't you can't really get anywhere if you're you, if you're trying mm -hmm. to scale up and you're using the systems that you did to get started you're kind of going to get stuck like you, and you have to have this awareness so if you can build like a foundation with like systems and SOPs and some people don't like doing it um and I mean not 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 everyone's built to create SOPs and so you <laughs> need to find a good integrator for sure. Um, but if you can kind of really build up that the systems, a foundation and kind of like audit, like Tim was saying, like doing constant check-ins, it's, it'll be as you're growing your, your, your systems and your process are gradually growing along with you. So I think that's a, that's a big part of um, being an entrepreneur and being a business owner is recognizing these things. And you recognize them. I mean, you said maybe a little later on, but at least you, you kind of saw it coming. Um, and you kind of see like the end goal of like, okay, we want to get to a hundred. What do we need to change in our system to get to that? And so I think it's important because some people just, because it's comfortable too, right? Like it's easy. And the, when it, as it gets hard, that means you're actually doing something about it. And so you want to get as uncomfortable as you want, as even as hard as 
as it's it may sound it may you know you may be going through uh th that's a big aspect that i think we don't not many people talk about or at least on instagram they don't they don't talk about that stuff they talk about like oh yeah i was able to you know i work from italy and you know i have this team and like nobody talks about like what it took to get there yeah yeah Absolutely. yeah i think i think that yeah i love the part where where you were talking about just um you know the auditing the section and, and i to be honest and i don't think people talk about their downfalls enough like you were you were right. saying people people don't talk about their downfalls and every single downfall that i've had it's been a learning lesson when I make $20,000 on, say, a flip or a wholesaler makes a very clean, easy $30,000, you don't really learn that much from your successes because very often, like, I've probably had out of the 70 units, I've probably had 15 of the units that were super easy. It was flawless. And you don't really learn too much from flawless moments. I mean, I think that you can... Um, I think your shortcomings you can implement to hopefully increase the amount of like flawless deals. Like, so I think the ratio could change. Right. But one of the things for me, like a strategy standpoint is like, so we were running everything off Excel spreadsheets mm. and I don't, I don't think a lot of people like I'll hear, so I asked an investor yesterday how much he made on a flip that he just completed. And he said that he thinks it was about 25,000. I'm like, how do you think you made well, 25,000? <laughs> like, he's like, well, I said, you had, like, he didn't account for dumpster fees, utilities, none of that. I'm like, how do you, like, you, you probably made way less than that. Right. And right. Uh, so I started out just with a spreadsheet and up to like unit 50, 60, I was still just using spreadsheets for everything. And it becomes super, super just, yeah, a lot. So now we're developing a software with a software developer to implement into our business. So things like that, just getting away from um, spreadsheets and, you know, Automation. email convert. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to start automating things so that you 100%. can. Yeah, just automation. That's huge. Are you using a tool like ChatGBT at all? Haven't yet. No. Okay. Yeah, that's like one thing where I know like a lot of people I talk to are like utilizing that uh, in their business, um, whether for like are you guys? Yeah, we, we are in mm -hmm. some aspects for like emails or like communication or um, even like content writing. Like we're mm -hmm. even you know we're we're considering writing up a a, a course. And we're like oh, I wonder can Chat ChatGPT write up this course? You know, just stuff like that. Cause you have to do you do have to think outside of the box, and like. Um, what we've learned too is like after every deal that we close, it should be a way to like, okay, what can, what's something that uh, I'm doing in my business that I can take away from like myself and like pass it on? Like, is it automation? Is it hiring? Um, so it's, 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 you're constantly like, you know, any deal that comes through or any, anytime you acquire something, you're, you're, you're trying to think, what can I do to improve something? Cause I, I think that's where people, just be like, oh, okay, cool. I got, I got a check. Um, let's just keep things going uh, and without really, you know, getting that that understanding. Um, my my main question was like, so it sounds like your buy box maybe has changed or your criteria in terms of like what it is that you're looking for. Because uh, you know, when you get when you're kind of hustling and grinding to those seventy units, you're just saying you're anything that was two hundred dollars a month cash flow, you're you're acquiring. So what 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 has changed now? To and like, what are you doing? Um, to get to that hundred units and, and further, like what, what's sort what's your criteria now? Uh, so we want to be able to get in quicker, in and out quicker. We want to be able to close quicker and get in and out quicker. So we're looking at properties um, that are definitely under $30,000 from a renovation standpoint. Mm -hmm. Before we would take on six figure renovations, no problem. The, mm -hmm. not that we couldn't manage it and schedule it and budget it, but the schedule was the problem. It just took way too long. Right. We had way too many projects going on. And, and you look at a course of six months, just in utilities alone. And like you were just actually mentioning kind of ties into this is you look at how can you, how can you improve? How can you improve timeframes? How mm -hmm. can you improve your budget? How can you improve your processes? And that was one of the things I was looking at. It's like, okay, well, if we, if we look at one property that takes a hundred thousand dollars to renovate, and it takes us six, six months or four months to get it done. What if we just literally took a little bit longer to, you know, underwrite deals to offer on more properties that are 20,000, we can get in and out in one to two months, we can get them into long term financing. And just based on that math, we, you know, two months rather than, than, you know, four to six months, 
we can scale quicker. So we've just, we're looking closer to cleanup properties, not so much large renovations. Right. The quality over like quantity, sort of, so to speak. For sure. Um, yeah, talk, talk to us about, um, I, I'm very curious because from year, last year to this year is totally different, right, um, in the real estate market. And everybody was talking about, you know, the interest rates and especially like, especially in new construction, uh, they took, they kind of took a hit and they over leveraged some of their, their finances is there. So I know hard, hard money is a little bit different, but how did that affect your business if it did at all? And did you have to just recalibrate um, your buy box because of that? Um, can you talk more about that? Yeah, we 100% recalibrated. When you go from 4% to 7.5%, that's a lot. You, you, yeah, you, you just can't keep buying the same. You can buy the same property, but there's going to be a different price to it, right? Yeah. So, um, what we actually did and what we actually did is we were okay with accepting a tighter margin. So if I was making 500 bucks a month, we were okay making 300. We lowered our purchase price. So let's say we were normally buying a property in the Midwest to buy a property on a hundred thousand is not abnormal at mm-hmm. all. Um, let's, but for easy math, let's say I would buy a property a year ago or two years ago at a hundred thousand dollars with, you know, 4% interest rate today, we're buying the same thing at like 60 to 70,000. And we, our profit, our profit is honestly, even still with that is still lower just with the, mm-hmm. with the interest rate and what right. we're doing. Um, but one of the things that a lot of people aren't talking about is if you can cash flow today. And again, we've talked about like real estate is a long-term play. Yeah, if you can, 100%. if you can cash flow today in five, 10, 15 years, when interest rates get back down to a reasonable place, do a rate term refi. And the whole time you've been p- paying down your principal. And one of the things I don't think I, I, I don't really hear people talk about it much, but let's just like take this quick for a, uh, a case study, if you will. Let's say you have a loan out of $100,000 and you pay it down over a course of 10 years. You went from 7% interest rate to uh, 4% interest rate after 10 years. Let's say for easy math, you paid down $20,000 of that principal. So now you're at 4% interest your loan balance is at $80,000. And let's say you're on a 30 year amortization schedule. Now you're at 20 years. I don't, I don't know why in 10 years people, and I don't know, I've never heard anyone talk about this. And I Mm -hmm. I have been telling everybody about this is you can refinance at a different rate. You can Mm -hmm. refinance at the current debt and keep the same amortization schedule. So you increase your cash flow by taking out less of a loan balance and Mm -hmm. by lowering your um, interest rate. And so like, don't let today scare you from tomorrow because right. tomorrow there, there will be, you know, great potential. And that's why the long game is so important. Yeah. No, I love I, that. yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I think uh, Blackstone just, you know, they raised $30 billion for um, their, <laughs> you know, single family home just for rental. Like they're buying houses for rent, you know, to rent out. So I think they, they understand and you know they have analysts and um the number crunchers they know what's going on in the market and they're they're going to do exactly what you're saying to do and um i think it's not talked about as much um because i don't think people realize like how what what the market is doing and how it can affect you in the future and how you can take advantage of that and i think you're doing the right things in regards to educate people but also implementing that as well yeah, well, I think as investors too, you you kind of uh, you kind of learn the ropes, or I'm yeah. sure you have mentors too, Kyle, because um, it's all cyclical, right? Like at some point, it's not always going to be this. I mean, where were we a year ago where people were buying like I don't know? I mean, it was crazy, insane, like <laughs> 20 percent above asking, or even like higher. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it's just kind of understanding how real estate works. It's not going to be like this forever, and you see kind of the main, you know, uh, main media, uh, news media, and like everywhere else talking about like, oh, don't buy right now. And like, I have these conversations where people are like, oh, I want to buy a house, but you know, it's just the interest rates. And then when, when the interest rates are low, be like, oh, I want to buy a house, but I just, you know, there's always like something. So it's just, you know, just, just going for it. If the numbers make sense, if you say, like you said, if it cash flows, if it cash flows now, like imagine, you know, 
down the road where, you know, you're able to refinance like where it can cash flow. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's a really great point. Um, I'm curious, like, cause it sounds like, you know, you've, you've banked on um, no pun intended on, um, you know, your private money, uh, hard money lenders, like t- talk to us about how you established those relationships when you did get started. Like, w- did you meet them at meetups or like, you know, talk to us about how you establish those relationships. So I actually didn't have, when I first started, so I house hacked my first one and then did like 20% down in the next like two or three. So I, I didn't, I didn't actually start approaching them till after I had maybe seven units, seven, eight units. And at the time I was 26 years old. And, and this is what I tell people is like, you have to gain, you can't just walk into a room with nothing and say, I want everything. Right. It's so like, you have to, you have to bring something to the table. And at that point right. I was like, Hey, I've done seven properties. I started off small. Like I didn't go into a room saying, Hey, can I have a million dollars? This is why. Um, because it was also, it was other right? Like OPM, like that, that's, that's, I'm okay losing my money, but other people's is scary because yeah. like you, you start ruining other people's, you know, funds, your reputation. It's just, so I was very calculated on what I did. So, so I had like seven units and I just started off with friends and family raising small amounts of money and I started gaining some trust. And then, you know, your friends and family know people. And then they're like, Hey, I think this guy's running kind of like a small fund. Um, and he had like a Roth IRA and like 600,000. He's like, yeah, I don't mind, you know, as long as it's real estate backed and, and, you know, I can be first lien holder. I don't mind at all. And you just kind of start going and then you just, I don't know, you just keep meeting people. But I think having a little bit of experience before you start asking for stuff um, at that kind of level, especially money, like you could advice is a different thing. Like you can, you can probably take someone out to coffee and, if you have good, you know, mutual exchanges, I think that's one thing, but start asking for money. I think bringing a little bit of experience behind it uh, helped me a lot. Yeah. And I think something we've talked about too, and I know that's something mm-hmm. that this route you didn't really take, which was joint venture partnering up with somebody. We've also talked about if you really want to like accelerate, you can partner up with and like, so for us, if, if like I've never purchased anything in the Midwest and I want to, I can go to you and be like, Hey, I have this capital but and you have the experience, like, I mean, maybe you'd say no, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you wouldn't, maybe you wouldn't, um, you know, that's one way where you can like, really be like, hey, I have, I have somebody experienced. And like, you're like, hey, I need capital, because I don't use my own money. That's always a great opportunity to to uh, partner up with somebody. Um, but, but I love what you said, because you're right, you can't just walk into, uh, you know, somebody with money and be like, hey, you know, I've never done a deal before, but, you know, can you give me some money? Like, you know, I really want to get into this real estate thing. Like, you know, there has to be some credibility too uh, at the end. And you had the backing of like seven units. So that's, that's obviously really helpful. People are, you know, going to be more willing to, you know, give, give their money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think, I don't think uh, joint ventures is a bad thing at all. And that's where I tell people is like, if you, if, if someone were to come to me and say, Kyle, I want to get a deal in the next year. And I would tell them, regardless of your situation, if you can pursue it relentlessly, I guarantee you, you can get a deal. If you have bad credit, if you have no capital, if you have nothing, go door knock every Saturday and Sunday and try to find – and I know that's an extreme, right? But right. if you can bring – I know hundreds of investors – well, maybe not hundreds, but I know 100 investors that if you bring them a deal and say, hey, I just want 10% of everything. I don't – I just want to learn the game. I want 10%. If I bring you a deal – in your buy box, would you, you know, give me 10%? Who wouldn't do that? I mean, some right. people probably wouldn't just because it's like they have so much deal flow. Right. But right. there's there's people out there working, you know, a nine to five job that just likes to do real estate on the side. And they're like, I don't have time to search for these deals. But if you find me one, mm-hmm. you know, I'll give you an equity partnership or a little bit of cash flow. And there's there's never a reason why you can't get started in real estate. The only reason right. is, is you're telling yourself you're not capable. Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, I, I know that like we, you know, we coach a lot of people too. And, and that, that's their, their, that's their hesitant, you know, they're very hesitant to kind of really kind of pull the trigger or even ask the question, um, you know, as you get it involved in real estate and do more deals, you understand how you can build these relationships and how you can structure different deals, but uh, you're never going to, um, you know, get a deal done if you don't ask or, you know, you make those relationships too, because, 
you know, the, like, even if you're calling sellers, you're going to get a lot of no's before you get the yes. And that's the same way with investors that you want to get in involved with and, you know, get on the ground floor on, you know, owning some, some properties as well too. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with like just having conversations um, mm-hmm. and like them kind of, uh, even though they, and they may be like kind and be like, you know, thanks, but no thanks. Like, come to me when, after you've done some deals, like maybe th- that's where you can ask some questions like, Oh, well, what, what's your, what's your criteria? Like, what, what would I need to do? Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, don't just kind of, again, you come in with a, a attitude of like, I want to take, um, you know, try to just get, gain as much information, gain as much knowledge from, from the people that you're networking with. Cause yeah, I know Tim's like a huge into like networking and like meeting people Um, because you, you just never know when like the relationship will when you'll kind of need this person. So um, just because they're they're saying no to you now doesn't mean like it's going to be no forever. So I think. That's yeah. Good- and at, least, at least they can put like face, you know, a name to a face and, and you yeah. start getting in front of people. Yeah. I just had a conversation with a guy uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday, the day before. And I asked him, he was really worried. He's like, you know, Kyle, I, I'm kind of scared to like reach out to, he was looking at doing some wholesaling and he's like scared to like cold call and stuff. And I asked him, I said, have you ever asked a girl out on a date? And she told you no. And he's like, well, yeah, I have. And I'm like, well, th- all she said was no. Did it yeah. hurt your feelings? Did it ruin? Like, yeah, sure. Maybe hurt your feelings, but you got back out there. He's now married. So it's like, you, mm-hmm. you're able to overcome. No, like don't just because someone says no, they don't want to sell their house to you. Someone out there will say, yes, you just haven't found them. And you, He's like, I don't have, you know, Kyle, how did you learn all this stuff? And we talked about it a little bit before. And it was like, I learned it from experience. But I also once door knocked. It was embarrassing. I'd go, I didn't even know what I was talking about. I was just knocking on doors saying, hey, you want to sell their house? And they were like, well, what do you want to offer? I'm like, well, I don't really know. So I, I was just curious if you want to sell your house. But it's just getting experience. You go knock one door, your next one, you're going to have data points why it's better. And when you've done 100 or you've done 100 cold calls, you're 101 one phone call is going to be better than your first one. And it's just collecting data and learning from your previous experiences. That's That's dope. That's dope. Now, um, I know we're getting closer, closer to the end, but what like is your, I guess, future plans and in your investment? Um, Do you want to get into larger properties or, you know, multifamily or you single family or, What's what's like your ultimate goal um, in future for future goals for your business? Yeah, sh- short term, I would say that I have a goal to hit um, 500 units, 500 units on my 30th birthday, which is like two and a half years from now. Um, and I'm, I plan on accomplishing that of like single family duplexes, triplexes, fourplexes, just by implementing more systems. And I'm really glad you asked that question is and, and because I think a lot of people start to get, especially people that have done something like 10, 20, 30 units, they start getting kind of bored of the process. They start right. looking, looking outside what made them great. It's mm. like Kobe Bryant didn't stop shooting free throws when he made 10 in a row. He kept doing them. Like just mm. because I, I've figured out my path and like single family homes for me are very, very easy. I know how to run the numbers. I know how to construct them. I know the materials. It's, it's quick. So for me, even though a lot of people would say multifamily will cash flow better, it's a long-term asset, you can get better financing. For me personally, I believe once you've found your lane, you stay in it for a long time until you've mastered it. And when I've mastered it, I'm going to bring, my plan is to bring somebody in to run it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll start going to look at some other things. But until, until I get to where I want to be, um, which is like in that 500 units by my 30th birthday, if it doesn't happen, that's okay. If I'm 32, 33, 35, I'm okay. Um, but I'm going to stay in my lane and that's four units and smaller. It's implementing systems and just building contacts, building out um, and seeing other people win. Like I talked about a little bit about mm-hmm. like how I have coaching clients. What's more exciting than seeing, and you guys mm-hmm. said you do some coaching. What's more exciting than seeing you buy a property or someone else? I've personally come to the place where I love seeing someone else win because I've already kind of I don't want to say figured it out, but I, I found it right. And to see mm-hmm. someone else have successes for me, I really, really enjoy that. Right. Cause you're kind of, you've been there, you've seen the struggle. Um, and to see somebody overcome that, 
is like it's so gratifying and i think that's the whole gift of like giving back too um sure. and i really like what you said too in that um staying with your lane because i believe and this is something i've um you know mentors and coaches have told me is like you go deep you don't go wide like because mm. once when you go mm. wide like that's where it's like you get distracted and like you, you don't kind of live your purpose That's and it's all about the verticals uh that you that you build right like you're building verticals um and i was uh, at a real estate event this past weekend and um a lot of the people there do multifamily, like huge complex or development and i was talking to this one guy who's from baltimore and he was like nah i i know i know what works for me he's like single family homes he's like you can't do multifamily out here at least not yet but he's like, I know, I know the systems. I know everything. I have a whole process down and it works for me and I'm cash flowing. Like, why would I change that? And I think that's what, that's the problem that people have is like, they either get too antsy and they, they, they they're mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to pivot really hard and go this way. And then they end up kind of losing um, the vision or, you know, wh whatever their ultimate goal was because they got distracted. Um, I think that's the, the biggest problem we have in this era is like, we literally live in a world of like instant gratification. Mm -hmm. Like somebody's talking about crypto. All right, let me do this. Or someone's talking about this. All right, let me run to this. Like NFT. Yeah. People <laughs> don't stick to what they're doing long enough. Uh, and I, I mean, I've been guilty of that too. Starting out sure. is like do, starting wholesaling. Then we're talking about commercial and it's like, oh, but I haven't really like understood this fully yet. And, mm -hmm. you know, it took me to really like ground, like ground myself and like understand, okay, let me really become an expert specialist and then maybe I can apply this. So I, I think I really love that you brought up that point. Yeah. Yeah. I think I apologize. If there's a little bit of a background noise, but, um, yeah, I think that there's such an amazing piece when it comes to, you know, just talking about real estate kind of as a whole. And I think there's great opportunity for everybody once you find your niche. When you find that piece that that makes you go, like you said, stay in there long enough to master it. And once it's mastered, then maybe you can take some blinders off if you want. For me, I'm just going to keep blinders on and keep going. I love that. You know what you yeah. want. And like, exactly. You know yeah. And it works. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If it works, like why, why fix it? I mean, you'll fix things, but it's still within that process. Mm -hmm. um, I know we're kind of approaching the end, but I wanted to sort of see, cause uh, it sounds like you have a coaching pro talk to us about like the stuff outside of your acquisition. Like, you know, talk to us about like your coaching program. Like, you know, if anybody is interested, like sort of what, what, like how does somebody sign up if somebody uh, wants to join? Yeah. So we'll just, it's, it's one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, I know a lot of people, I've actually hired some uh, coaches myself and they just kind of talking about their coaching and stuff. And they say, you should be selling a course. You can sell more. For me, it's not about selling. For me, it's about one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one connections where I can help someone from the very start to the, to the end. Um, and I know like, Everyone's kind of a coach now, and I think there's a lot of courses out there, which, in my opinion, a lot of people are kind of against it. In my opinion, I think it's amazing. I think the more mm -hmm. information, the more structure that is out there, the better opportunity people have to be successful. So, right. yeah, it's just one-on-one It's one -on -one coaching. It's a 12-week program. I show everybody exactly how I started, and in that 12 weeks, it's basically a formula on how I've set up my business and how they can they can buy their own first property. And um, just reaching out on Instagram is probably the easiest way. And if it's not me, like, like I said, I'm a one to four unit person. If right. you come to me and say, Kyle, help me wholesale. I'm not your guy. You guys are probably mm -hmm. it. Right. Mm -hmm. So, or Kyle, I want to buy a 10 units. Like brother, I haven't even bought a 10 unit. Like I'm not your guy, you know? <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I love that. Stay in your lane. Uh, that's yeah. kind of like what we're sticking with. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's, that's key. And like, um, I think people, I, I think we've had a, a topic here where we talked about YouTube versus like coaching or like a program. Mm -hmm. And if you can afford it, definitely join a program because at least I know I knew me starting out. I need some form of a structure where there's a course, where there's accountability or like a community behind it. And, you know, we've been part of a, a separate program, a wholesaling program. And that's kind of how we connected uh, with Chris Jefferson, who's out in, uh, in Richmond. Um, he like that structure alone, like is going to, you're, you're going to honestly save so much time of like mm -hmm. watching YouTube videos because you literally have the blueprint to like take action. Now, will people take action on that? 
we don't know. Um, but I, I think it's, it's good to um, kind of, if you know yourself and know that you need that structure, you need to invest in, in, in you and invest in these programs, uh, especially if you can afford it. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think too, if you, if you're very, um, you know, a person that takes action quickly, like, I don't, I don't think it's uh, all the information is out there for free, right. but like it's, it's, having the ability to structure something if you have no experience ha- like going to someone that can put the structure together mm-hmm. like you said you can expedite the process but like if you're a person that's just like i don't have the money the imp- just for you know the listeners all the information is already out there but if you're looking right. to expedite the process you know that's where you're, in my opinion like coaching or mentorship right. things like that would be great no yeah i mean you can definitely get it it's just like if you have a question a longer, look. Yeah. <laughs> right right yeah. it may take you a little yeah. bit longer um but what, uh, as we're kind of closing out, what sort of advice do you want to mm-hmm. give someone who's just starting out in real estate investing or maybe advice that you give to your clients uh, or if maybe maybe more so knowing what you know now, what advice would you give yourself um, starting out mm-hmm. when you were starting out? Yeah, I just, I think, you know, I always think about my, and I'm glad you said that, like Kyle self two years ago and <laughs> everyone has the ability to help who they were a few years ago, right? Like a lot of people don't think that, hey, I'm not going to speak up because I can't help anyone. It's like, well, you've grown in two years. So somebody two years ago needs your help. And Mm -hmm. I think for me is just that it's not going to be a smooth ride. Like it's just, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be learning and just be okay. Like you're not a failure because something came up short. You're not a failure. What we have now is we have data points. We have learning lessons. But like, you're not a failure of a real estate investor. If you lose out on deals, you're not a you're not you're not a failure. You're, you're taking data points to make your next deal great. And I think looking back, um, every single time I I come come to a roadblock, it was difficult for me to overcome because I always felt it was me, and it was me, right? Like I didn't make the right decision, but you don't know what you don't know, and that's why like having a mentor would be good. But if you don't have a mentor and as you come up roadblocks and as you progress through real estate investing and building your systems and processes and bringing in automation, there's going to be hiccups. No matter how big or small you are, there's going to be hiccups and you need to be okay with them and learn from them. Right. That's Ooh, awesome. Mic drop. Yep. I love <laughs> it. I love it. How do people get a hold of you? I know you said Instagram um, as well. Do you have a website too for like, even we have a community of wholesalers. So if they are in your market, they can reach out to see if they have a deal or or whatnot for the two to four as well too. Yeah. And what what market you in as well? Like what markets you buy in? Yeah. So my Instagram is KJ underscore root. Just follow me, shoot me a DM, you know, whatever it might be is probably the best place. My website, kylejroot.com. And then the markets I'm in, I'm in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Tampa Bay, Florida, and Green Bay, Wisconsin. Gotcha. And you buy one to four units. One to four units. Yep. All right. So wholesalers out there, you got a buyer. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Well, Kyle, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, um, you know, to to chat with us. It's really enjoyed uh, our conversation. Uh, we'll make sure uh, to connect. Uh, maybe we can connect in the next year or so, see how many units you're at now, hopefully close to that 100. Um, but yeah, again, appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you guys for tuning in and for your support. Uh, we'll be back next Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern. Hope you guys have a great rest of your week and uh, we'll connect later. See you. All right. Peace.